March. Welcome to Jelly's Underground. Hey, hey, nice to be here. I'm having this a, a this is a vibe in here, man. Thank you. It's honestly the joke is that it's 90% LEDs. It's it's <laughs> all about the LEDs. I had heard of you through Strange Breed. Yeah. Uh, he told me that you guys were buddies. He actually recommended that I, I bring you in. And so then I started, I checked out your Instagram page, I checked out your website. Um, you are clearly like heavily involved with the hip hop scene. You're radio DJ for, for Western radio. Yep. Um, you DJ, you know, weddings and events and stuff also are a rapper and you make your own beats. So you, you, you do a lot of stuff within the hip hop scene. And I'm just curious, just what like your first musical experience was. <laughs> My first musical experience was the accordion. When I was a kid, <laughs> took lessons on the accordion. And it was amazing because um, I took it for seven years and I still play the accordion for like Christmas carols. I bring it out and stuff. Accordion. But, yeah. And when I, when I got into middle school and high school, I played the French horn and left the accordion behind and then played the French horn for years. And I was in a marching band with the French horn and I was in, I was a, a DJ in this weird kind of cover band, bar cover band for a little while. And then I got my own group in the 90s. I wanted to be like Run DMC. So I got me and my brother and we got a DJ. So two MCs and the DJ. And we put out an album in 98 and a vinyl single in 2000, I think, and a second album. And I've been doing college radio for since 2008. So I've been doing music for quite a long time. And I'm making beats now and still rapping and still DJing. So tons of fun. 
Did you, so you ended up doing Western radio. Did you go to Western or is that a gig you just landed? Um, I started on CFMU at McMaster University. McMaster. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I started university in McMaster. I transferred to Laurier, got my undergrad in Laurier. I went to the university of Windsor for teachers college. And I went to, went, I went to Western for library sciences. I got a master of library and information science from there. But I've been doing radio there well before I was a student there. So I uh, started Word is Bond in 2012. Um, and I started it before it was on. It was like a spinoff of the other show I used to do. It, I wasn't on Word. I wasn't on Radio Western right away. So I, I got on there a little bit after 2012. Mm-hmm. I started doing the show. Oh. Okay. So you, you've also been doing radio for for a long time as well. Not mm-hmm. only just, was it was it hip hop radio at the other universities? Yes. Okay, I gotcha. Does college radio submit to SoCan? Yes. Okay, so you do get paid for college radio. I'm not exactly sure how much artists get paid for college radio, but if you're an artist out there, look at the local stations that you have in the shows and send it to the DJs cuz we we're required to pay play a certain amount of Canadian and a certain amount of new content. We have to play new, we have to play Canadian, we have to play local. And I always go above and beyond on my show. Like I play London artists fairly frequently and have them in for interviews and and open mics and things like that in the station. When is your show? I'm on Thursdays at 10. Okay. Currently. All right. Thursdays at 10. Yeah. How can an artist get in contact with you if they want your opinion about your music, their music? Yeah. um, Well, I'm Chase March, two verbs, just like you're running after the month. Okay. And you can find me on all the different social media platforms. It's up TikTok. I'm not really using that. I don't quite understand it. I'm on there. Like if you search for me, you'll find me, but I don't really use it. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Chase March. There's a Word is Bond rap radio page on uh, Facebook as well, WIB rap radio, which I haven't been using much. I use my my personal one more. and WIB rap radio at bell.net. If you want to send submissions, if you're an artist, send 320 MP3s. Don't send a download or a Spotify link. You can send a WeTransfer link if you want to send me an album or mm-hmm. something like that. But don't don't put a streaming link like SoundCloud or Spotify. Right. Because you gonna, need the actual file. I'm not going right? to listen to it. Yeah, I need the file to spin, right? Um, there are There's only one streaming service that lets people spin, and that's like BeatSource. Like you can spin off of that if you have a subscription to it or title but um i i'm not using title i just started using beat source it's really cool okay. but i own my music like the stuff i'm i'm spinning on the show i've either dug for and found myself or they've been submissions for the most part okay i gotcha you brought up a resource like for djs like a dj resource when i was learning how to spin like uh, on my i've got a little tractor Pro, um, when I was learning how to spin EDM, there was like YouTube had no resources for me to turn to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I really had to try to figure it out on myself. And I was listening to, I was listening to sets that other DJs were doing, trying to, I hear the transition they do. They're pitching things up and they're adding the reverbs. And, you know, I'm trying to copy what they're doing. And uh, now I'm, envious of the resources available to like, you know, DJs coming up now. Um, 
I'm curious what resources were available to you as you were getting into DJing and how did your, your skill develop over time? Other DJs, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to, in order to learn it from the era that we are from, you kind of had to have someone else that was already doing it. They could take you under their wing a little bit. Um, but when I first started DJing, I didn't know what I was doing. I was rocking vinyl belt driven turntables. You know, one was my grandma's and one was my dad. And I put them together with the realistic mixer. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to drop it on the one. I knew how to blend songs together near the end, but half the time I wasn't on beats. I didn't quite know how to beat match. I knew how to count bars because when I was rapping, I went to a studio and I was ready to record my song and I rec- I do my verse, spit my verse. And the producer looks at me sideways. He's like, you gonna keep it like that. <laughs> I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, well, that was, you know, 20 and a half bars. Like that was 21 bars. That's weird. You know, like, don't you do 16 bar phrases? And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Mm. So he taught me how to count 16 bar phrases. And he's like, like, when you go home, put on any record and count. So, so I did. And I was like, whoa, 16, whoa, 16. You can see me conducting because I'm a music teacher too. So like when I count bars, I conduct (laughs) bars like this. So I learned how to count bars and in DJing, that's very useful, especially in EDM music as well, because things are in phrases and Mm -hmm. they're in like 16 bar phrases, 24 bar phrases. So if you know the phrase, you know, when you can bring something in. Mm -hmm. So because I kind of knew that the phrasing of songs, I knew okay, you have an intro, you've got your verse, you've got your chorus, and they're usually this long, eight or 16 bars, then you kind of know where to mix from. And you just have to know where beat one is Mm -hmm. so you can drop it on the one. That's a DJ term right there. Drop it on the one. one. (laughs) So when beat one comes, you're ready to go. And like, I'm letting go of my record because I'm holding it to let it go. But a lot of the controller DJs will build press play play. on the one. So, but I, I like having the spinning platters, but you know, some, some people get really, you know, really upset about people that are using controllers, but you know, I've been using controllers. I've been using CDJs and it's the same. Like it, you have to have the skill, you know, just cause it, it's a little toy fingerboard toy or whatever. You know, we used to just trash on DJs that use those things, but there's some good DJs that can use those things. And if you know how to use turntables, you can definitely use one of those. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's funny that you mentioned like observing other DJs because like I had been spinning for like three years, just really getting my sea legs, you know, understanding how to hear what song I want to do next and kind of learning how to channel the process of DJing. But Mm -hmm. like I would go to events and like since I had started doing the task of spinning by myself, like I hear mistakes that they're doing and they're coming in like say they chose a song that's in a different key or they're not coming in on beat when you were choosing the next track to play what's going through your mind do you have a set list that you like to go through or are you just kind of choosing songs as they come to you yeah i like freestyling you know i know some people like especially the cdj's people they'll have their set list and they'll put it on a usb and they'll have it they know what songs they're going to play in an order and and i don't typically plan out things that way i kind of just go, okay, what's the first song I'm going to play? What are some other things I might want to play? And then I just just kind of freestyle it. Um, when I'm doing the radio show, it's a little bit different because I need to hit certain CanCon regulations and, and new stuff. So I'll, I'll kind of, I'll plan out my show. I won't necessarily plan out the order that, of the tracks I'm going to go in. That way I know I've got enough Canadian content. I've got enough new stuff. Uh, but half the time, 
I'll throw it away. I'll like, you're trying to bring in a song and you're cueing it with your headphones and you're like, just doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite flow. It's maybe not telling the story that I want to tell. Like so far I've been playing, I didn't even choose it this way, but these songs kind of, they, they're similar. They kind of mesh together thematically with the lyric content. Like I like, I like listening to lyrics and all our DJs just listen to the beat and stuff, but I like listening to the lyrics and kind of flowing like that. If I'm doing an event, I'm looking out at the crowd, seeing what responds to them and going, all right. Sometimes you do a wedding and you'll, here's the songs that we want played. And you're, you're playing through some of the songs and then you're like, man, that, you know, go good with that song. And then you throw in some culture club or you're putting something else, yeah. a throwback. And you're like, I don't know if this is going to go over this one, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to try it. And you try it and you're like, okay, you know, that's not going over so well. Most of the time it does. I don't know. I just have. I seem to have this sync with the crowd. I'd be able to read the crowd. One time I was, this is a hilarious story. I was uh, doing a, a ladies night uh, event for a, a rotary club or something like okay. that. And there was, there was a lady looking, yelling up at me for a request and she wanted to hear Tragically Hip. I was just about to drop in Tragically Hip. And I think I was already mixing it in uh, when she said, yo, play some Tragically Hip. And I'm like pointing at the speaker because it's on right away. And she thinks I just immediately fulfilled her request. Oh, my goodness. That's the song I was playing next. Anyway. But that's it's like you read her mind. You you asked earlier, like, why I'm doing this. And, and I am enamored by hip hop because the element of freestyle, um, you don't see the same kind of freestyle. I don't mean just like lyrics, like um, just like you're saying, like as you're spinning spinning you know the the records you're just kind of like coming up you're, you're feeling you're channeling what should come next yep i it's come off the top of the head when i'm freestyling when i rap i love doing that you can do that yeah it's okay so like i am no good at that i get way too in my head and i'm trying to figure out what rhymes and 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 uh how do you how do you not get stuck as you're freestyling or what do you do when you do get stuck well if you're DJing, the best thing is if you if you don't know what to play, I built crates. Like I have crates for everything. Like I got a 90s hip hop. I got, you know, I got a rock one. I got, I, so I have all those different genres I can dive into. I've got like 60 different crates for doing events. When you're freestyling, uh, if you, you can often have a phrase that you can come back to sometimes, you know, like rocking upon the microphone. If you don't know what to say, you say, I'm rocking upon the microphone and you come back to that. Uh, so you can have those kind of things, but you can also just be aware of your environment and rap about what's around for the most part. It's, it's easy. I don't know why it is, but it is, I guess it's just practice something I've been doing for a while. So sometimes I'll get tripped up and sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stumble or something, but for the most part, you do not think about what you're going to say when you start talking. Like, I don't know if you've written questions down, but when I do an interview, I write I don't write the question. I write a little note. Um, yeah. Just yeah. Words. So you don't even know what you're actually going to say and you don't know what your guest is going to say. And a whole conversation interview like this is freestyling. That's very true. That's very, yeah. I didn't think about it that way. I guess when it comes to, I mean, okay. Then there's also, um, developing the art of having a conversation with somebody is, is in itself a, a, a skill that I'm working on mastering. Right. But like, uh, beyond that, like when it comes to freestyle rap, I'm I'm getting hung up on the rhymes and making sure that everything rhymes. You're not thinking about rhymes as you're going. You're just kind of following the flow of like the, the conversation that you're having out loud. Not, yeah, but you, you do think of rhymes, <clears throat> but you don't always have to rhyme at the end of a line and you can put stuff in the middle. 
and if you kind of trail off and you don't have that rhyme, you still say words and then you bring it in. So some of the best rappers will rap in different places. The rhymes will sometimes fall in a different place or slightly behind or slightly in front of the beat. So you can do all sorts of things like that. Uh, it, I guess it's hard to explain unless you just really try to do it. But I always try to think if I if I'm doing a freestyle or even if I'm doing a battle, I'm just like, okay, what's my first line? I might have just I might not even have the end rhyme to it yet, but I'll have the first line, and then you can just start and it just it comes. You mentioned battling. What's your history been with rap battling? I've done it. <laughs> um, there was a there was a league here in London. They used to do a Dirty Thursdays, and they had a Freestyle Friday. Uh, and there was a belt, so you could win this belt. It was like a WWE belt okay. that they spray painted. <laughs> That's cute. But yeah, it was really cool. And so I, I was in that, and I and I won um, a couple times, but I didn't win the actual belt. Um, so that was that was tough. Jux Kane killed me. He killed me in the one verse, and I thought I had it. I thought I had a great comeback for him. I come back in the second round, and in the third round. He came back to something I said in the first round uh, and like tapped me on the back and said, good luck or better luck next time, bud, or something like that. (laughs) He killed me. Shout out to Jux Kane. He's dope. (laughs) I've heard his name thrown around a little bit. He, he, he sounds like he's a legend. A lot of the people you've had on your show are the younger cats, like maybe the the current generation, but there's like, there's the older heads like myself, the, the boom back kids. And, and then there's, there's a generation before us, like London or two generations before us, like London has a really rich hip hop scene and history. And it's, it's cool that we can celebrate it, you know? So we need to celebrate it. I'm with that. Well, and that's, you know, like we were saying before, like, I feel, I feel like, I feel like we have a lot of skill in, in, in our, our local hip hop scene, but I feel like there's too many people doing too many different shows and clicks and they go support the people that they hang out with. But like, I don't, it, I don't really even know what the problem is, but it doesn't seem like everybody goes. It's like, yo, it's like Wednesday night. It's like hip hop night or it's like the once a month show. Everybody, every old heads, new heads, everybody's going down to collaborate and like, and network and work together. It doesn't seem like, it seems like there's a void there. Um, currently there is like Brandon Moore used to try to bring the city together with his dirty Thursday show and Tyler Hetherington. And it was, it was awesome. Like I was there front row, like every time they had one of those, um, but that, that has a long history. Um, Brandon Moore's currently in Australia. So, and, and with the venue shutting down and everything for COVID that really stopped things and seven, six, five, old east 765 shutting down yeah so we we've lost venues like the wick is gone and 765 is gone and apk is gone those were all really hip-hop friendly spots i did one show at um what's that uh that arcadey place called at the mall a rec center yeah yeah so i did one show there and i thought that might turn into more but it, it didn't really that was a nice venue it was pretty cool so and it seems centrally located where some of the other ones are like downtown and they're not quite in the downtown part where people go all the time. So I don't know. I think maybe we just need more hip hop friendly venues and people to be able to support it. And, you know, it would be nice to have an event where like everybody can come or having 
not so often. Like there's too many events, too many shows going on. If we had one every couple months, it might be might be easier to support. Like bi-monthly. Yeah. Okay. If there's any problem in the music industry in general that you could solve, what would that be? Streaming. <laughs> streaming. <laughs> we got to get rid of streaming. Like we have to get rid of streaming. Streaming needs to die. Unfortunately, it's not going to, and I've come to accept that, but it's it's not a good way to consume music or even discover music as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't stream. Like, I made sure to cancel my Spotify. I got on it. I didn't like it to begin with, uh, but I'm not going to Spotify. So if someone has a link and they send it to me, I'm not listening to it. I'm not Spotifying at all. But the fact that they are paying fractions of a penny to the artists and then they'll come and scoop up a podcaster who's not even really doing anything and most podcasters most of them just get on the mic and hit record they don't actually plan they're not writing the show they're not editing it like i edit my radio show when Mm -hmm. i do an interview it's a lot smoother than it actually was we get rid of downtime some ums and ahs and rephrasings yeah and (laughs) it's 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 really cool Like, I like to see that kind of production and I'm not seeing it in a lot of podcasts, so I can't listen to those. And streaming, you know, I think we've got better alternatives. We have Bandcamp. You can put your album out on Bandcamp. You can still stream it or support it there. YouTube is okay for getting to know certain things, but I I do not like Spotify's business methods and the other services seem to be very, very similar. And there's there's something evil and not quite right about them that I, I don't want to support. It, yeah, in my opinion, Spotify's not really doing anything. They're just like a taxi service for music and listening. But, you know, they've got their Spotify curated playlists. And there's like, oh, if you listen to this artist, you might like this artist. But it, it doesn't seem like Spotify is not like, hey, you're from London. Here is a list of London rappers. Exactly. You know, it's it's same with social media. And I, I've got I've got this issue with all social media that they do nothing to support the local, you know, the, the goal. Is, so if you're getting on TikTok or your Instagram or whatever, you know, you're 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 trying to become Internet famous. You know, you're trying to cater your content so that you can, you know, naturally, like you're making a product, which is like the music that you're doing or whatever. And you're trying to get that out to as many people as possible. But the issue, it's like, you're the product, you're making the content and then people are consuming the content you're making and they're selling ads in between, you know? So it's like, is they're not doing anything to support us. They're just giving us this little maze, this mouse game that we can run around and exactly like it how how does instagram work if you have a million followers and you're getting all these likes shouldn't you be making money off that because instagram can't exist without the content creators and you know any of these platforms and Mm -hmm. it seems like they don't care about the the creators at all for the most part now interesting interesting turn of conversation like what is your what knowledge do you have about web3 and nfts and, and these hot words that are being thrown around I think NFTs are the stupidest thing I've ever heard about in my life. Like why? I don't, maybe there's some kind of makes sense to it, but like, I don't know. I don't need a certificate to say that I own something digitally. It, it makes no sense to me. Right. So, so let me, 
let me try to break this down because it took me a bit to really understand what it is because you're going online and you're seeing people are paying half a million dollars for a picture of a cat, right? Or a monkey or, and, uh, buying an NFT is like the NFT is your receipt for the purchase and say, um, going to a concert, you're buying your tickets on Ticketmaster or whatever, you go buy the NFT and that is your pass to get into, uh, that, that, that NFT is your pass to get into the event and your souvenirs that you have this fi- picture that you can do whatever you want with. But ultimately, like, like right now we're in this phase of Web3 is the term, right? Right now we're in this phase where it's just kind of like bubbling and simmering and, and there's people are figuring out things to do with web three and NFTs. And it's, it's kind of a slow process. There's, there's one app that actually does it's called U- user and it allows you to make money off of the likes that you, that you get. Um, I mean, and, and it's like, it's a big, it's like try, trying to explain the internet, like the current internet to my grandma. She, she, she did not understand really what the internet we have now like how deep that pool goes. So too with like web three and NFTs and stuff, it like, it represents the solution to streaming. Like there's this app that I just um, discovered now that, so you buy, like you would go to a record store, flip through records and buy one that you want. Right. Um, There's an app that allows you to support an artist by buying their digital record. And then you can play kind of like, iTunes, you know, you, you can play through the records that you own, that you purchase the NFT to. Still doesn't make sense to me. It, I mean, because I bought Avril Lavigne's album for $7. Like, she had it on iTunes for 7 bucks, and I bought it because I was like, 7 bucks. Like, you know, when I was buying tapes back in the day, and you go for New Music Tuesdays, and you go and I was spending you know, 60 bucks a month on cassettes and, you know, getting three of them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we still have, we have digital stores. Like we have Bandcamp, we have iTunes, we've got tons of them. If you like go through any kind of digital um, release to put your music out, they'll submit it to 80 stores. I don't know what these stores are. I don't know Same. who's yeah, using them, <laughs> you know, who's using these stores and streaming ser- services, but Bandcamp is amazing. And they've been really supportive of artists by doing Bandcamp Fridays and giving, you know, waiving their fees and giving 100% to the artists. You know, they do that fairly regularly, which is amazing. So we already have that. I already own Avril's album. I bought it. I own it. It's on a hard drive. You know, I don't I don't know why we would need anything else. NT, NFTs, they seem pointless. I believe that it will develop into something that we don't exactly know what it is right now. But right now it's kind of, kind of a non-existent thing is it's, it's, yeah. Who knows, who knows where it's going, but it just seems absurd to me currently. But the industry's got to go somewhere, right? Like so, streaming is definitely a problem, you know, because the money is not going to the artist. Well, right? Streaming's not going anywhere. And so the only way artists can really make money is by touring, but you got to get to a certain level to be able to do that, you know? So like not, a lot of the indie artists might never be able to make money <laughs> until they score somehow, you know, like a TikTok hit or something. And people mm-hmm. are like, hey, I know that song. And now it's become really popular because mm-hmm. even when Spider-Man film came out with the three Spider-Mans in it and they had that De La Soul song, you know, at the end. Yeah. 
at that time, Dela wasn't on streaming services. So there's probably a lot of people that went to go find them and couldn't find couldn't them. Couldn't find it. So, so hopefully people went like, oh, what was that song? That song's awesome. And actually found a way to support the group because you can like, I don't know. I think just the best way to support an artist these days is to buy their merch directly from them if possible, you know, because Belly, a band, not the rapper. Not the rapper. <laughs> there's a There's a band called Belly that I love. They've been around since the 90s. But they put out an album and a t-shirt and it was a bundle for like 20 bucks and you got the album and a t-shirt signed. I'm like, I'll do that. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, So yeah, there's, there's ways to support artists directly that we can currently do, even if it's just buying a digital download off of a digital store. I have a, I have another question. You're familiar with payola? Yes. Yeah. In another way of looking at it, you know, the payola thing was like labels, you know, paying the DJs, but, but you know, do you see a lane for, say, a local artist to support the DJ by paying for radio play? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, I well, first off, that was illegal. <laughs> you, you, you weren't allowed to do that. And I've actually had artists ask to give me money to play their song. And I'm like, no. No, I just, I, I can't do it. Like, I would love to be able to get paid for radio because I'm over 500 episodes deep on my show and it's college radio. So I do it for free. I spend a lot of time digging for records, a lot of time preparing mixes, a lot of time recording the show. And it's, I don't see money from that. Right. But at the same time, we, you know, if the rate, if the college radio station could afford to pay the DJs, that would be great. But they can't. So it's a volunteer thing. It's a community resource. And I love community radio. So it's great that way. But I'm also, I I feel uncomfortable if someone wants to give me money to play a song. Like it's even happened at weddings and events like that. It's like, oh, can you play the song? Like maybe I really want to hear the song. I'll give you 20 bucks. Like you're going to play 20 bucks to hear one song. Yeah. Like I could have, I could have done that a few times, but I, I never have. Can you imagine any lanes for artists to financially support DJs? Yes. I have a Patreon. Okay. <laughs> so Patreon is uh, a subscription service. I wish it worked a little bit differently because I would make it work a little bit differently. But currently, if you go to patreon.com slash chasemarch, or if you go to chasemarch.com, you can click on the podcast and you can find it. The link's on, on there. I have been putting the show up early for Patreon people before it gets podcasted anywhere else. <clears throat> and currently right now, since COVID, the station was shut down. We weren't able to go to CHRW Radio Western. So fortunately, I had the gear and everything at home. I was able to record at home. So the show never missed a beat. Most people wouldn't have no- even noticed, except I'm not saying the, oh, give me a shout. I'm here at the station mm-hmm. saying the phone number. Mm-hmm. So I started recording the show early because they wanted it, a, you know, a couple days early. So I would podcast the show. I'm currently doing this Thursday show is available for streaming and download on Patreon on Tuesday. So you get it before anybody else. And it's like a dollar a month American, I think, to subscribe to that. And mm-hmm. if you do, that's I have the downloads there. So you could stream it for free on Mixcloud, but you can download them and you can keep them. So I've been trying to make, trying to figure out how to add value to that. You get the show early, you can download it. 
And Patreon also has different tiers. So I put different tiers on. If you go to a higher tier and you spend more, I'll give you a shout out and I'll even give you a personal mix or I will let you host or choose the playlist oh, for, the, okay. for the show. So there's that option to support DJs. I know some DJs also have in their in their bios and links and bios that you can cash app them or PayPal them. Uh, so there's that option. Uh, but if you really like a DJ, you can buy some of their stuff. I used to put out mixtapes on CD and I used to bring those to events and stuff, but people aren't really buying mixtape CDs anymore. Uh, especially because cars aren't even coming with the CD player. Yeah. I went to a concert, the Conway the Machine. I bought a CD, but I couldn't play it till I got home because <laughs> there's no CD player in my car. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so uh, on your phone, what kind of music devices do you have? Or like like apps? Like how do you listen to music on your phone? I do not listen to music on my phone. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a smart TV at home, uh, so I'll listen to it through the TV that's hooked into a stereo. So it's got good sound. Mm. Um, I also have my hard drive hooked into the TV so I can play anything uh, in my living room that I want that way. Um, I'll stream stuff off of Mixcloud. I really like Mixcloud. I like listening to DJ sets on there. Like I'm not always listening to Break North Radio, DJ Hollywood, local DJ here. Not always listening to his show live, but he podcasts it. So I listen to it there and... There's a lot. Of, there's a great show from France, the Rancha Boom Bat Mix Show. It's it's amazing. So I like listening to other hip hop underground college radio type shows uh, online. So I have found since I made the decision to make music my full time job, I have started to not enjoy listening to music. Not that I don't enjoy music, but I'm listening to music and getting extremely detailed with the work that I'm doing for nine hours a day, you know, uh, seven days a week, you know, it doesn't stop as a, as a work from home entrepreneur. Right. So do you ever get that sense? Have you ever gone through a phase where you fell out of love with our craft? Uh, yeah. Like the late nineties, <laughs> late, like there's a big gap in my music knowledge <laughs> because I didn't want to keep up with, pop music for a while like i used i used to consider myself like pretty cool like i actually knew what was going on in pop culture and i don't pay attention to it as as much anymore and even when i was like trying to build all my wedding crates and things like that it's like i need to get some 2000 and 2010 stuff like what do i even play <laughs> because i just realized that that's the throwback for a lot of people now crazy like i think of throwbacks i'm going back to the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. some people are going oh man this is old school and it's from 2002 i'm like <laughs> what the and then you think well that was 20 years ago yeah you know so people like the the music people seem to have this peak where they peak with their music taste as a teenager you know it's anywhere from like you know 12 to 17 that is your mm -hmm. that's your era of music and that's always going to be the best music for you and I, I truly believe that that's something that you need to think about when you're spinning for an audience. Like you need to see what age they are. And I'm coming as an open format DJ, not as a hip hop DJ right now. Right. And seeing what throwbacks work for them, you know? So uh, I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, well, and interesting, you use the phrase crates or the word crates and you're, you know, you're making crates, but 
Uh, Everything's digital. So old school DJ here. Well, we used to actually have to carry crates of records, you know, and you used to have to curate your crate. So you knew what was in there and you knew what you could flip through and play. And sometimes what mixed well with each record, because we didn't have all this visual information that we have now. Mm -hmm. Like when I put on my computer, I put on a song, I could see, oh, it says it's 95 BPM. And I scroll through my list. Oh, this one's 95 BPM. Put Oh, this one's 90, but it'll mix okay. I'll bring this one down to 94. I'll bring this one up to 94, and it's going to mix great. So uh, as a DJ, you still have to make crates. You still have to make crates. And basically, a crate now is a folder on your computer. Mm-hmm. And But um, like for my radio show, I'm, I keep crates. And my hard drive just blew up, which was really uh, sad because I hadn't, I hadn't updated it in a while. And I lost like a year and a half's worth of music. So, oh my goodness, back, technical back difficulties. <laughs> I was just ready to record the show. I had everything planned. I analyzed in Serato and I go, everything just disappeared. I was like, what the? I couldn't get the drive to work anymore. But my current crate system for the radio show is I break it up into quarters. I have like January to April and May to July. I have it set up like that. Um, so I know kind of what's current, um, so I can play the new stuff. I label when it's a Canadian artist, I label it as Canadian so I can find that nice and easy. So that's my basic crates for, for the radio station when I'm doing word is bond radio, but I also have crates when I'm doing, when I'm doing open events, I have like eighties pop crates and nineties and I break it down by, by decade like that. I have a pleasers crate. I have, uh, pop hip hop so if you're some, someone's like oh play some play some of that old like bismarcky uh, just a friend i'm like okay now i got now i can play that and i can go into vanilla ice and young mc and and those kind of things so i i have that and you don't have to search and think about what to play next because you've already got them kind of organized and i have 61 crates for open format djing jeez it's kind of like playlisting right yeah um, uh, going just going back to playlisting, most people can't create a playlist to save their life. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I hate Spotify. The playlists are ridiculous. Like, I've heard they don't, that they don't flow right. The same yeah. artist is in there multiple times, and like you have to think about connections between songs and how they flow. Like when I make a mixtape, I'm very cognizant of that and kind of trying to tell a story and and how it's going to go. And most people just I like the song, add to playlist. I like the song, add to playlist, and that's all they do. Now, it, like the songs, do that, but then rearrange them and then prune it, you know? Like, yeah, you like that song, but does it work in that playlist? Should it still be in that playlist? Get rid of it, you know? As a DJ, you look through, you see your play count. If you haven't played something in two or three years, it probably doesn't need to be in that crate because right. it's not being played. So, uh, I don't know. I have oh, lots of advice. Opens opens up space like to add new stuff as well. I had checked out your website and you're involved with a group called Hip Hop Educators. You got that. You got the merch on right there. <laughs> Can you tell me a bit about that? Because it seems like you guys do a lot. Yeah. In 2019, Mike Gall from Toronto, who is a rapper with a couple albums under his belt already, he wanted to celebrate World Teachers Day. So he hit me up to do some cuts on a song. And his idea was he's going to get a bunch of teachers together and we're going to make a song about being teachers. And 
so it was pretty cool. So he had a couple of teachers already, and uh, I brought one into the fold that I knew of only because of the radio show. So we had like eight of us. We uh, we did a song called Each One Teach One. I did the cuts for it. I was like, yo, Mike, I also rap, you know? <laughs> so I spit a verse on that. And the song was, it was turned out great. Like we were really, really happy with it. And we kind of realized that we had something more than just uh, one song. So we started dropping songs um, every World Teacher Day. And we started coming up with ideas for other songs. And we were like, we got to put this song out. Like, we're all teaching at home right now. This kind of sucks. Like, let's put a song out right now about teaching during the pandemic. So we did a song like that. We made a music video. Like, it looked like we were in a Zoom call all together, rapping the song. (laughs) And, And we added a... We added a uh, woman to our crew because some of our students and, and our daughters were like, how come there's no girls in your group? So so we added we added two, but one never ended up at, on a song uh, and just too much going on. So we have the apologet in our crew and she's added so much. It's just, she's amazing. She's so dope. She's a spoken word artist, so she hadn't rapped before, but she's, she's great. Spoken word is very interesting because it's similar mm-hmm. to rap, but it it doesn't like have the same flow or rhyme scheme, but it's, it's structuring a message mm-hmm. artistically. Yeah. I'm very curious about, about spoken word. And so, so she's definitely a rap fan and she, she brings it. She kills some of us on our, on our song. She just like got the best verse. And we were supposed to do a conference, a teacher conference in February and it got canceled due to COVID. And we were like, we were so hyped to do this. And we were like, we're all the songs we've done. We're going to put it together in an album and we're going to add, add new songs. And we actually wrote a whole document to go with it. There's a teacher plan with it, an 80 page book with lessons and resources. And, and that's all available on our band camp. So we've got our debut album, the deluxe version that comes with the 80 page book for teachers. Wow. That's, you have a, a lot of resources that you're giving away. I checked out your blog and you've got, uh, and you're, you're a novelist as well. And, and you, you seem to be overflowing with like creative energies. What are you doing this for? Like, why are you following these creative paths? What, what are you doing it for? I have to, it's like breathing. Yeah. You, I don't know. Just, I have to be creative. Like I've been doing music since I was a kid. Now I've been, I was writing poems before I was writing raps I, I wrote novels and I'm um, going to work on some nonfiction this year. I've already started working on two. Um, I haven't published any book yet other than that teacher resource book. That was a, that was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And I think teachers will love it. Um, and there's a lot of great stuff you can use in your classroom right away, but I need to be creative. Like I, I'm creative when I'm making a mix set, you know, I make beats now. Too. I used to make beats, but I got back into it a little bit. Right, okay. So I've been making a lot of beats recently. And I don't know, creativity is it's just it's like breathing. I I have to be able to do something. And you know, I used to love writing, just writing the blog and just all my thoughts and things like that. But it's that kind of fell off because I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do. So my blog has basically become the podcast and not and oh, and I read. I read a lot. I write book reviews for everything I read. So that's almost all the blog is right now is the podcast. And here's a book I read and here's my thoughts on it. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to keep 
on top of all this stuff and there's so much that I want to do, but there's that opportunity cost. You know, if you're doing something, you're, you can't do something else. Uh, I got to figure out how to weigh that all out because I definitely want to write some more and I got to get some books, got to get a book out. So that's my next goal. Your next goal is to do a book. Well, and even writing your blog, like you're, you're being creative and you're, and you're putting it out there in as many ways as you can, which I think is also important as well. Um, I find that like as, as an artist, like I, my computer becomes full of files that are unreleased, you know, songs and, and Mm -hmm. like my, my notepad is just full of lyrics that will never be heard. And, and I believe that there's something, there's something wonderful about having like your craft privately to yourself. Um, but I feel like there's also like this anxiety about like putting, putting your art out there and you have a lot of lanes that you're taking up. As a creative, what do you do when you feel unmotivated, uninspired? I love running. <laughs> so uh, I always, when I was writing my novels, I would spend like the entire weekend like writing. Like I'd write for three or four hours and I'd go for a run. Uh, like, so sometimes you'd be, you get kind of stuck. So I think the best way to, to do that it's weird because the brain is has this way of working when you're not working anymore. Like this morning, I was looking all over for a piece of felt. Okay. <laughs> I got a three-year-old that was like, oh, we were going to do this project. And like, I was like, where did I, I knew I put that somewhere. Where is it? I couldn't find it for the life of me. So we stopped and we were, I didn't even bother looking for it anymore and start working on the little train set we were putting together. And, you know, I'm looking around the room and then there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was I should have been able to see it but I didn't see it right right because your so, brain was blocking it out or I think when you're thinking about something too hard you 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 get you get blocked you know so you stop thinking about it like if you're if you're so frustrated with your song with your novel with your screenplay whatever it is if you're frustrated with it stop just stop right there go wash the dishes <laughs> you know, you're washing the dishes and you're thinking maybe you have the radio on in the background or something because a lot of people will do that. But don't put on a podcast. Don't put on a TV show, something what you have to actually pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So go wash the dishes. You know, maybe you have the radio on in the background, but don't put on your, your favorite song that you're going to sing along to and just let your brain wander. Like I run like I saw someone post because I used to post all trail runs. I still do it. Like I'll post a picture of a trail and someone's like, oh, I bet you have the best running playlist. I'm like, no, I don't bring any music with me when I run. Hmm. I want, I run through the woods, but it's, it's amazing when, and especially in London, it's awesome because we got so many great nature trails here and you can just go into the woods and you run back there and sounds of the city just fade away. You don't hear the cars anymore. If you're lucky enough running in Kamoka You'll actually see deer while you're back there. Wonderful. And yeah, it's it's amazing. But your your brain is still going. And if you've stopped working on something, you often come up with you come up with the idea later. Like you're not even at your computer, or you don't have somewhere you can even write it down right now. I'm in the middle of a trail, and I just came up with the best line ever. You know, I'm gonna forget it if I don't keep it in my head. So you keep it in your head. Mm-hmm. Now you're writing as you're running. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get back to your car and you then you scribble it down. Interesting. So. so going off, I mean, so you go off by yourself in nature and um, take a break and you don't force yourself to 
um, be productive is the wrong word, but you don't force yourself to complete the task. You, you leave it and you just let it be where it is and trust that through one, we, one means or another, you're going to come to the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes if it's, if it's a beat, sometimes it's not going to work. Like sometimes that sample, like I, I played around with a sample that was like in three, four time. And that's one problem with Serato. It likes four, four times. It, so it, was, it was really, really hard to do and it, it wasn't working. So it's like the sample, it's, it's not going to work. So one time I also had this sample going, I was like, this is going to be a great sample. I'm going to, I'm going to like copy the drums from this rock record. So I, I put it in and I, and I, like I did said, I penciled in the drums the same way of that rap, of that rock record. And I was like, this is going to be a great loop. And it wasn't working at all. Um, so I threw a different sample in there, but kept the drums. So those drums were kind of modeled after another rock sample, rock song, but the song is like, it's nowhere near where I thought it was going to be. When I started, I had this idea in my head, right? It's nothing like that idea, mm. but it's dope. Like, it's, mm. like, you're just, like, you're like, oh man, this is wicked. Like, so it's like reusing, it's like re recycling an idea. Well, I don't know if it's like recycling an idea. It's more like going in a different direction where you thought you wanted to go, you know? So letting the creative there's, there's, I believe that there's, there's muses or there's something called the collective unconscious that we can tap into. I, I think when, when you're writing, sometimes you write and like, you just start scribbling down so fast and you're writing something and you're like, where did that even come from? Cause that's better than me. Like, you know, where did that come from? And like, where did that beat come from? Because I wasn't thinking of playing anything like that, but I put the sound in and I started playing on my keys and I just came up with this really funky bass line. Like, I don't even know how to play the bass, you know? So like, just letting it, letting you, letting it take you. Like there's something creative that if you are open to it, it's going to guide you. Well, I mean, we come back full circle to the freestyle element to, 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 to life. I, I would say, you know, like I, I'm picking up what you're putting down about the collective consciousness and this thing that we are existing in, you know, as soon as you stop trying to do something, then if it's meant to be, things just get a little smoother. And I, I try to take that same philosophy to life. You know, it's like, like we said, like pivoting on an idea um, when it feels one thing isn't working, pivoting and going elsewhere. I've done that many times in my life. I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast now. I pivoted. Yeah. Um, and uh, just following the flow of what seems to be working. I wonder if hip hop has informed my life this way, because I like freestyling almost everything I do, even when I'm teaching, you know, like I've had moments where I have thrown away my lesson plan because of something the student have said. And I was like, okay, well, let's go there. And you go there right away and you're done. And you're like, that was the best lesson I ever taught. And it's not one I went in going to teach, but it was one that the students were interested in. Mm -hmm. And I knew I could go there right, right then and there. So like, don't be afraid to drop everything and go where, go where, you know, like how many people ever go out of the house without their directions? on their phone. Oh know? yeah. Like just go where the road's going to take you. Sometimes you don't need to take all the dirt. Like Google maps failed me trying to get here. Like, <laughs> I, I had to call up Stewie cause he'd been on the show before. It's like, where is this place? He goes, Oh, it's, it's some house, man. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I, there's, there's, a, there's a good philosophy that philosophy there to 
following what's coming to you naturally, as opposed to trying to force something that is not coming naturally. Yeah, my whole life I've done that. I'm like, you got me really thinking right now. It's <laughs> like I went to teacher's college because my life led me to teacher's college. You know, I went, I got my my. I'm a librarian because my life took me there. As as I wasn't planning on becoming a teacher or a librarian back that back in the day, I was going to be you know Eminem. I was going to be the best ra- famous rapper, and you know that that didn't work out just yet. <laughs> It probably won't work out, but I got a lot of faith with my group, the educators. We're we're doing some amazing things, and uh, that was my wife texting. If you heard that, it's all good. It's um, all good. Yeah, so we're doing some amazing things, and it's just cool that the the way my life has flowed. Like I'm in a great spot. Gratitude for the story that you're in right now is is very is something that's been important to me. Being grateful for being here existing anyways because i could easily not exist you know it's like last week i could have got hit by a bus but i didn't so i'm here now so like just grateful for whatever's coming next because you know life is freestyled um, life is freestyled <laughs> that's going to be a chapter of I'll, I'll, book. I'll, uh, i love that we can put that on a t-shirt or something i want to wrap up with one final question that was sent to me by uh, an, an, another dj he's been doing weddings and parties and stuff for two years now Um, and so he's been developing and he's come to his own style and he's found he's, he's come to his own barriers as well. And he wants to know from you, what's what was the hardest thing to learn when you first started being a DJ, a wedding DJ or any DJ just using, using that tool. Good question. You know, some DJs like to get on the mic. (laughs) I like to speak with my hands. So I think getting on the mic as a DJ might be might be it um which is weird because i'm a teacher so i gotta speak in, in public all the time and i do the transitions on the radio but sometimes you need to be able to actually have a good command of the microphone when you're djing so i've been getting a little bit more cognizant of that i don't need to do it most of the time though so um I see. I don't like DJs that talk all the time, so I don't do it myself. I, mm-hmm. I very rarely talk. Mm-hmm. But as a wedding DJ, more and more, the uh, some people want you to be the MC as well. So that's something you have to learn how to do, which is easy enough to do because there's lots of books on how to be a wedding MC. But you can't you can't do those canned jokes. You can't do the stuff that's cliche, and that's my problem with hip hop. A lot of days is people are doing the same thing and they're making the same song as everybody else. I'm glad to see this DJ has developed their own style. And that is important. That's very important. So my advice to DJs is get music, be familiar with your music, uh, make crates, (laughs) make make a lot of crates and only put the bangers in the crates. So, you know, you've got, you know, like if somebody says, Oh man, we love nineties pop. I could spin 90s pop all night long. I could do five hours of 90s pop and not run out of material. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, right? And more a little bit later, when I said I wasn't listening to pop in the 2000s and 2010s, if someone says I like 2000s pop, I can definitely spin an hour of it right now. But in a wedding, you're not ever going to have to spin an hour of that because you got to play stuff for grandma and you got to play stuff yeah. for the younger kids. So, yeah, so get to know your music, get to know how to be on the mic and get to know your gear 
you know, like it's, uh, it's oh, needing to troubleshoot last minute is something important. You need to know your gear. Yeah. Also, you need to have backups of everything, you know, like, you know, bring, you need, you know, the two XLR wires to come out of your mixer to your speakers. Um, actually run those into an external mixer first. That's my, my best advice because you'll get better sound out of it. And then you can run your mixer through the, your mic through the external mixer. So you're going to, you're going to need more XLR cards than you think you do. And then also buy extra. I always bring, I always come with a whole bunch of extra cords. I've got like every different kind of configuration you could think of in case there's a soundboard or something and it doesn't have XLR and it's got quarter inch or it's got eighth inch or it's got, you know, what if those speakers aren't XLR speakers? <laughs> They're the passive speakers. So make right. sure you have all that stuff you need. And if you're using, if you're a controller DJ and you're using a controller, have a second controller. You know, like I've got a little Newmark. Uh, it's a Hercules Starlight. It's this tiny. It's only a hundred bucks. If, if my, if my, uh, anything goes wrong with my turntables, I got that backup controller. I've also been using some CDJs that I got right now that have the USB built into them. Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got two sets of redundancy built into these things. It's, so it's pretty awesome. So like if my computer dies, I'm still good. You know, <laughs> if my USB cord dies, I'm still good. And I can like, I can run three different ways off of those things. And, and yeah, so just be prepared for everything and uh, back up everything. Worst come to worst, I actually, those 60 crates, <laughs> they're on here. I have a headphone jack. A lot of phones don't have headphone jacks anymore. Right, right. But worst come to worst, I could play single tracks off of here. I wouldn't be able to mix it. Probably could. I think there's phone mixing apps you can get these I've days. seen some. Yeah, yeah. I could probably see. Right see now, 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 now you've now got you idea got, number four. Now you'll now, be... <laughs> now I got to get a mixing app so I can mix on my phone worse <laughs> from the worst. Look what you've done. I love that. Well, well, well once you're a master at mixing on your phone, we'll have you come back and just... Uh... <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming in, dude. This uh, interview went longer than I had anticipated, but like I, I really enjoyed chatting with you and getting to, getting to know you. Yeah, this is fun. It's weird being on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, appreciate that. Take it easy. All right, peace. Boom. And that's a that's a wrap. That was fun. Yo. Oh. <laughs> Icon beats knock like hooks. Hit you in the head with a favorite books. Icon beats knock like hooks. Hit you in the head with a favorite books. Icon beats knock like hooks. Hit you in the head with a favorite books. Icon beats knock like hooks. Hit you in the head. You can read in small sips or large gulps. Choose whatever you want from graphic novels to self-help. Tell me your interests, I'll point you in the right direction. I'm a librarian, that's my job, it's in the fine print. So you gotta read for your life to get equipped. A situation you may find yourself in. Get some context and see the bigger picture of zone. And get off your screen, let's set the book on your phone. Yeah. <laughs>